0: It's June fifteenth already. It's a Wednesday, and you're tuned into Real Talk. Thanks for making time for us. Thanks for the download. We appreciate it. Great show in store. We're gonna talk some politics today. We're gonna talk some mental health. We're gonna uh, take life as it comes tonight. Game one of the twenty twenty two Stanley Cup Final as well. Ooh. Who you got?
1: Oh, I got Tampa.
0: You already said Tampa. Yeah, Tampa. Yeah. Three yeah, Peters.
1: Three Peters. I like the
0: call. Either way, uh, a great team's gonna win this one. Colorado v. Tampa. We'll see. Will it be Kale McCarr? And uh, Nathan McKinnon's first, or will it be Steven Stamkos, Andre Andrei Vasilevsky, and Nikita Kucherov's third?
1: I think so. They're hungry. Sh- Pat Maroon.
0: That's the thing about Tampa. It was like we're four in. We haven't even mentioned Victor Hedman, <laughs> Corey who used, Perry, who used, be, who used to be the best defenseman in the world. Points coming, we'll yeah. points coming back. Yeah, Braden points coming back. Is he coming well, back? The Calgary kid. Uh, it's like an
1: eight out of ten chance. They say. So, oh,
0: yeah. interesting.
1: It's gonna be. I, I just think they're they're too hungry. They want this to repeat. They got too many guys who want it.
0: You got both teams missing a pretty key centerman, yeah. right? Braden Point missing for Tampa. Nazem Kadri with his hand surgery, thumb surgery, whatever yeah. it is, missing for the Avs. So mm-hmm. we'll find out. Both of them probably set to make glorious returns in the Stanley Cup Final.
1: I'm gonna say set in seven too. So I think it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. I like battle. it. Maybe OT.
0: Good. Wouldn't that be great? Game seven, OT to win the cup. Yeah. To see who takes Lord Stanley. Speaking of Calgary, Braden points from there, of course. Uh, you, I sent you those photos. Can can we put these up on the screen real quick? Just from my parents, the two that I sent you, the real quick ones. Do we have them? Maybe we'll get. I literally sent them to you three minutes ago. Remember in the Slack, and we were joking, and I said the show can't go on if we don't get these photos. (laughs) And then you probably thought I was (laughs) kidding, so you didn't actually download them. But I was serious. And then anyway, here's the point: we don't need them right this minute. I threw, I literally threw it at Johnny two minutes ago. I said, hey, if you can get these in we'll grab them but here's the deal everybody down in calgary is like they're literally they have i'm not talking the citizens but they're getting crews in there people are bringing in backhoes or or like i I, if i start naming the construction equipment i'll get out of my depth i was going to say front end loaders but i'm not sure if they're technically they got the bulldozers going the point is without me trying to be cute um they're bracing for what could be another big flood right this is uh what nine years since the last big one that you remember calgary high river okotoks even in red deer was a big mess all over the place and the rain just has not stopped check this out these are photos uh, if you're listening on the podcast uh, describe it quickly you know beautiful memorial drive uh, that travels along the river they're heading into calgary's downtown off the deerfoot trail uh, or into kensington depending on your perspective this is the area john you remember back in in 2013 you know the the Water was up to like row 13 of the Saddle Dome and Mm -hmm. a lot of people's basements were completely underwater and all of downtown. You remember those sort of apocalyptic type photos in Calgary? Uh, So they're building, as you can see, work crews are out right now. They're building berms uh, in between. This is sort of like where the bike paths are. If you know Calgary well along Memorial Drive. In preparation for what they're expecting, are, are, are going to be river levels that that probably will breach some of their mm-hmm. main roads there. And as you and I mentioned yesterday, Calgary's mayor Jody Gondak declaring a local state of emergency to free up some resources and kind of change the the uh, emergency management game a little bit. So if that's with people down in Calgary, it could be a real mess.
1: Yeah, hope everyone's doing okay. It's, yeah, and the rain's not stopping here either. It's no. uh, last night. It was. Things were banging around and yeah. the wind was picking up. I was like, "Oh, it must be worse down there." So
0: yeah, we had uh, we have some hanging baskets that like the wind was so strong it blew, oh they're gone blew them right <laughs> off their hooks. Yeah, they're just all over the sidewalk and. I thought, well, that's that's what happens when you put in all that extra effort. You know, we wouldn't have this mess to clean up if we never would have hung them up in the it's first okay. place. This
1: weekend, you just call Eden Landscaping. You just and call Eden and Landscaping. And they up. got you covered. <laughs> or oh, you can go
0: pick up your planters at Freezing Brothers. <laughs> uh, went to Freezing last night, and I, I couldn't help but snap a few photos. So we're going to do sort of like, it's it's not really an advertisement today. It's going to be more a, a it's celebration. Just you at the market. It's going to be, a, it's gonna, <laughs> I'm going to take you along with me at the market. This show happens because we have the support of partners like Bitcoin Wealth been with us through episode one and what's this like 412 or something like that
1: we're getting close to 500 it's we're starting up we're, in start October. To,
0: we're starting to casually plan episode mm-hmm. 500 which which is going to have to be a fun one uh, bitcoin well uh, listen this is great when we first started talking to their ceo adam o'brien they said stuff like cryptocurrency bitcoin um it, it, it can be divisive not everybody buys in no but not everybody understands it he goes yeah he says don't steer clear of tough questions don't steer clear of tough conversations He says, we just want you to let people know, you're not telling them to buy or sell Bitcoin, just let them know if they have questions about Bitcoin, to to ask us. And so that's what we've been telling you. Yesterday, Bruce Arthur, Toronto Star columnist, taken a big run at Bitcoin. Got real. Pretty interesting stuff, he kept it real. You can check out that interview, and then I recommend if you have any questions, you look to Benny and his team, ask for him by name at Bitcoin Well on the sponsors page at RyanJesperson.com.
2: Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
0: Getting into that time of year where there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So later today, you know, different options. You want to stay outside, maybe. You want to enjoy the precious time you have under the stars and under the sun of these beautiful Canadian summers and of course this time of year as you know as we approach is it uh, is it uh, accurate to say the equinox am I getting <laughs> out of my depth here summer solstice June 21st longest day of the year is it called the equinox I should have paid more attention in high school science class but you know and I'm talking about the longest days of the year our friends in Jasper are getting really excited about their symphony under the sun event that's coming up June 28th so we're going to talk to you about that and then there's a big event going on in Ottawa today uh recognizing the need to talk about men's mental health and and TV star, he's, he's one of the most well-known home improvement, home renovation, and big build TV personalities in the world. Brian Baumler's got a huge following. He's going to join us in about half an hour to get into why he's starting to speak publicly about his mental health. Uh, We might think at first glance, well, that doesn't really have a lot to do with his TV career. And what was it? This must be something personal that prompted him, that drew him uh, toward this opportunity, where he's going to be working with politicians to impact policy in Canada and and really trying to get his following um, and use his celebrity power to get people talking about uh, mental health, uh, especially during this Men's Mental Health Month. So that conversation coming up in just a little bit, part of our ongoing commitment, our ongoing conversations. Of course, it's pride this month as well so there's a ton happening and we're doing our best to keep our finger on the pulse of it all we would be remiss if we didn't mention the united conservative party leadership race and now's when it's starting to heat up right now is when the rumors are starting to manifest themselves either yeah it's happening or or maybe no it's not all these uh, leaders within the conservative movement coming forward and saying they essentially Uh, want to be Alberta's next premier now technically they're running for leadership of the United Conservative Party and and what would that leadership look like if they win it the answer might be different with every candidate would they trigger a snap election for a new mandate would they try to put their stamp on the party for you know nine months or so before they call an election as scheduled next year the one of the most recent candidates uh, to declare Her entrance into this race is Alberta's former transportation minister. She's the MLA out of uh, northeast Calgary. Uh, Rajan Sani, who joins us live this morning, making a Real Talk debut, as a matter of fact. It's nice to have you here on the show, and thanks for making time for us.
3: Hi, good morning. I'm very excited to be here, delighted to be here for the first time.
0: It looks like you're checking in. I don't know if it's your kitchen, but from a kitchen, you've you've basically been on the highway and pounding the pavement since you made your announcement Monday morning. Where are you talking to us from today?
3: I'm in my office in Calgary. And uh, yes, I have been pounding the pavement and it was a lot of fun. My launch was uh, a highlight, I think, in my political career. But uh, today I'm at home in the office and I'll be doing some work for my desk.
0: Okay, good stuff. So so people are going to have a lot of questions for you. People are trying to in these early stages of the leadership race, get a sense of what each candidate's vision for the party looks like, you know, and they're trying to discern the difference between you and, and all these other candidates. People are going to value their vote. And, and obviously supporters of this party are going to want to make sure that there's a second mandate. They want to make sure that you can win the next provincial election whenever that is. What does the United Conservative Party look like under your leadership, and, and how might that be different than what it looks like right now?
3: Well, I represent the more moderate center-right uh, candidate and uh, sector of the party, and under my leadership, certainly I plan to mend fences with everybody, with the doctors, the nurses, and the teachers, because I know that Albertans, including many conservatives, are tired of the animosity and the fighting so that is a priority number one and of course uh, uh, unity within the party is very important as well there's a diversity of perspectives within the party and certainly we have to show respect to everybody who holds different views and that starts with making sure that we are having honest and open discussions amongst one another and i have great relationships with my caucus members and and i'm going to build on that But in terms of what uh, Alberta needs right now, some of my uh, pillars are related to mental health. It's called the echo pandemic. We have seen across the province and across the nation that mental health supports are inadequate. People are suffering, young people are suffering, our youth are suffering, seniors as well. So this is is a health issue. So that is something that I will be focused on. I'll be focused on healthcare as well, ensuring that we we fill the gaps and uh, I did mention as well, that I do want to launch a public inquiry an independent transparent inquiry into the COVID response. Because again, there are people all over the map on this There are people who are saying the mandates were very, very harmful. And there are others who are saying that we didn't do enough. So I think it's time to get all the opinions and the data and the evidence on the table. So Albertans can see everything openly ask questions And then move forward.
0: What would you be hoping to achieve with regards to that third-party inquiry into the COVID response? Why would it be so important to you? Is is it to put the criticism to bed? Is it to determine best practice moving forward? Is it to determine even next steps in, in Alberta's ongoing COVID response?
3: Yes, all of the above. It's important for Albertans who have questions and who feel that the government has been secretive, again, on all uh, ends of the spectrum to have the information that they need to formulate their opinion going forward. And the results of this inquiry will also help us understand what we did right and continue doing those things in terms of policy and practice, and also get a deeper understanding of where we failed as government, um, as policymakers, to ensure that those mistakes are not repeated. So this is uh, just um, an exercise in being honest and authentic with Albertans.
0: Uh, there, there are several leadership candidates that have declared their intent to. Now, I, I don't think you used the word apologize. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but we talked to Leela here, who says she would apologize to healthcare workers uh, if she was the premier, uh, doctors and nurses. Danielle Smith says she would apologize to pastors that were jailed by Jason Kenny. That's kind of the flip side of this. When you talk about mending fences, what did that? result in this leadership review say to you with regards to the need to mend fences and where do you start there?
3: Well, that 51.4% result was clearly indicative of the fact that the membership wants change. They're not happy with uh, the current leadership and they're not happy with a number of uh, policy uh, directions that this government went in. So I think in terms of uh, mending fences, I'm looking at it from the perspective of restarting from scratch and just having a reset and a renewal. In terms of apologies, it's, you know, I think it's it's very easy to jump straight to apologies, but again, there are a variety of views on, on the COVID response and that's why it's important to have this transparent exercise. To really understand like where the deficiencies were and at that point you know though that can be addressed that can be addressed with various stakeholders i'm hesitant to to apologize right away because uh, i think that albertans need more information and i think it's important to to have some of these more open discussions uh, i'm not uh, you know I, I will thank healthcare workers over and over and over again because they had a very very difficult job during covid And uh, that's what I intend to focus on, how we're going to move forward in terms of renewal and reset.
0: I I think it's a it's a tall order for any leader. uh, And and it's a big challenge. I'm not saying it's impossible. I don't think it is. But to keep this united conservative party united, I think you could say the same thing about the federal conservative party. Quite frankly, if you and I were sitting over tea, we could probably talk about this for three hours about conservative movements around the world. And 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 in particular, with this sort of political philosophy, how, how different priorities can greatly dictate what people would like to see from their party or from their government. And it's been really interesting, obviously, I mean, you've been in our circle here as a cabinet minister, Minister of transportation, minister of of uh, of Community and Social Services. Uh, before that but you know people you, you've got uh, some who believe that the premier did way too much on COVID response you got people who think that th- that he didn't do enough you got people that think he's not hammering hard enough on on so-called you know foreign interests or special interest groups taking aim at Alberta oil and gas you got others that don't think this government's doing enough on moving forward with regards to the, to, to the next generation of energy jobs and, and sustainable energy etc etc cetera. Et cetera. You talk about unity. I mean, what would you do differently than the current leadership? What would you do different than Jason Kenny in an effort to, to bring this party back together? There's obviously factions. There's been open letters. There's been MLAs openly criticizing the leadership. A few of them have been kicked out of the party sitting now as independents. What would you do differently?
3: Well, first of all, your latter comments around the diversity of opinions around the COVID response. Some people felt that we did too much. Some felt that we did too little. I think that exactly is the reason why I want to do this public inquiry. And you're also right. Um, Unity is a tall order. It is challenging, but it is not impossible. And I know that because when we were first elected, uh, you could feel... That the unity was palpable in the air and of course things deteriorated thereafter and ultimately what it comes down to is respect for for everybody and their opinions it comes down to listening and look people have been saying that they're going to start to listen or that we need to listen more i would say that i have always been listening and that is just who i am i strongly believe in collaboration and open conversation and discussion and transparency So those qualities I believe are going to be very important to bring the various factions together. Uh, we were united and at this point we have a lot of divisions. So it's time to get back to that point where we had that same sentiment and that feeling of that we are one team and what unites us is that we all believe in limited government. We believe in fiscal responsibility. We believe that government has a role to take care of Albertans when they are in need. These are unifying factors that we all believe in and we just need to get back to that point.
0: And, uh, you say you you say you were united and, and I don't disagree with you as the first party in Alberta's history to get more than a million votes. Um, you saw people from across the province coming together with one common goal, and that was to get a, a capital C conservative party elected in government again. What changed? Where Where was the unity lost in your assessment? You were there.
3: Yeah, so what I would say is that we have a very diverse and very talented caucus and not everybody's voice was uh, listened to properly or reflected in decision making. And uh, and I think uh, that was the, the defining characteristic of when the cracks began to happen. We have a number of MLAs who spoke out about uh, their disagreement on COVID policy and I think they would have been able to um, have that behind closed doors if we had the culture of of openness and a culture of allowing people to express their opinions freely and with respect. So I think that's what it came down to is a style of leadership, a tone of leadership that was not welcoming of uh, diverse voices within their own caucus. So that is the secret sauce to making sure that we maintain unity going forward in the future. I will be very respectful and collaborative of every single team member in my caucus and cabinet.
0: Uh, I'm in this political group chat that I always hint at uh, to our audience, but I never provide details. That's the deal with the group chat is you don't throw people under the bus. You don't identify who makes the comments. But let me tell you this. This is just anecdotally. Um, someone who's a pretty prominent um, political player in the province uh, has you as their pick, as as who they think would be a, a great pick for the for the next UCP leader, because this person believes you to be a moderate, and they think that you're marketable, and they think that you're savvy. Can you put her on camera so I can see her face when I'm saying all this? Um, but. but. At the same time yesterday, they went, gosh, that's weird that Angela Pitt is endorsing her. Now, I'm not asking you to take a run at one of your colleagues in government or, or a fellow MLA out of energy, but Angela Pitt's been right at the top of the list. When so We come to those 17 that have signed off. They're dissatisfied with the premier's COVID response. They think he's done too much. People see Angela Pitt, I think, as as, as like a right-wing conservative. I don't think she would disagree. That's not an insult. That's just where she is on the spectrum. Uh, how do you sort that out? How do you that make sense of that for people? People are going, Angela Pitt's the first big endorsement of the Sony campaign that kind of sent a mixed message, this person thought.
3: Well, people don't know Angela Pitt the way I know her. She was instrumental in helping me with my disability file when I was tasked to make major cuts, which I um, held the line on and absolutely refused to do. Angela was there right by my side um, advocating for protection of disabled children and people on H. So that is who Angela Pitt is. And certainly we do not agree on everything, including um, big elements of the COVID response. But Angela and I standing there together demonstrates to Albertans what unity looks like. We are on opposite ends of the spectrum on conservatism, but yet we respect each other and we can work with each other. And when people get to know Angela, they will see that she's a very smart, competent individual who was not listened to if she had more respect and uh, and people had engaged her a bit more behind closed doors, perhaps she wouldn't have taken a public stance. But nonetheless, that's what she wanted to do. And that's who she is. But she and I can work together very effectively. And that is indicative of the fact that I can work with anybody in our caucus. So uh, I know it was a surprise to a, a lot of folks, but I just wanted to demonstrate that that's who I am, um, that I will engage everybody, all Albertans of all stripes, uh, as I leave. In government.
0: And see this and this is what I think is like on one hand, I agree with you. I do think it's an asset to have people that are at different places on the political spectrum supporting you. I mean, if you get a real, uh, you know, sort of a so-called progressive conservative and you've got a right wing conservative and you've got men and women and people of all ages and from different parts of the province, it's a really good look for a leadership campaign, right? And at the same time, I think that generally speaking, there's there's a there's a lot of the population that'll take a look at policy, you know, with regards to maybe how this government has approached a curriculum rewrite, uh, maybe this government's policy on on the opioid crisis, uh, in particular things like supervised consumption services, and and they'll say, uh, sure, it's all fine and well to have conversations. We want to have them on this show all the time. It's important to have different perspectives and not to dehumanize people's perspectives, uh, not to not to simply dismiss people's perspectives. But there's also, if we've learned anything over the past couple of years, a real need to stick to the evidence, to stick to evidence-based decision-making. And I think a lot of Albertans, myself included, feel like this government's gotten away from that a little bit. It's a tough line to walk, isn't it? You know, hearing all voices, believing that all opinions have some value, but at the same time stepping forward as a leader and say, we're going to base our decisions on data and evidence I mean, have you done that through your political career in a way that you can point to an example right now and say, hey, here's where I considered other perspectives, but here's where I made a strong decision based on what I knew was the right one?
3: Yes, well, I'm very much uh, informed by data and evidence. I am an economist, and so I love looking at numbers and projections, and in fact, those skills are what helped me navigate through my portfolio in community and social services. Again, I was tasked to make some budget cuts, as were all ministers, but looking at the data and the evidence and the impact on vulnerable populations it became very clear that that was a no-go and so i held the line on that and uh, ultimately uh, my colleagues were very grateful and the premier did concede that i was right in doing so and as we move forward um it's you know data and evidence uh, things are always changing as well we're always getting new information and i know on the opioid and addictions side i mean i held the homelessness file and Everything is so interrelated and COVID had a a disproportionate impact on that whole situation as well. So as we're learning more and moving forward, we're going to have to be nimble in our responses. I mean, and we can't be entrenched in anything that was said in the past because, as I said, things are moving forward. And you had mentioned curriculum. We have all heard the noise around curriculum. And that is also something that I want to take a closer look at and make sure that the appropriate people are at the decision making table. Um, And that their voices are reflected as we as we move forward. And that includes teachers and professionals and other stakeholders. So data, evidence, information, emerging trends, changing trends, uh, things that are outdated. All of those factors have to be included in decision making. Albertans deserve that.
0: So are you committing to to basically trash the draft curriculum in its current form? I mean, to what degree are you making a commitment there to bring people to the table?
3: No, I'm not going to trash the curriculum in its current form. I have worked closely with uh, Minister Lagrange. She is a friend of mine, and I know she has excellent and great intentions to put together a great curriculum. But, but uh,
0: Rajan, you know that like 95 percent of school boards have said they're not like like the 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 pushback on this curriculum is is I've never seen anything like it. Like it's 90 plus percent. That I mean, it doesn't really matter if with respect. Minister LaGrange has good intentions here because like the entire teaching profession says, uh, uh-uh, right.
3: Yes, Ryan. And that's a concern for me and that's why I need to get them to the table to understand what elements of the curriculum they are that they find so contentious. I'm not going to say that I'm an expert. I was not happy with the social studies curriculum for sure. Absolutely. But that's why I'm calling it a reset and a renewal because I want to understand what elements uh, are deemed trashable by teachers. Uh, it's important to get that information. And, uh, and, and that's why I want to sit down with, with all appropriate stakeholders.
0: It's been interesting to see a couple candidates, yourself included. Actually, I don't know if these words came out of your mouth, but they came out of a a, a supporter's mouth. Angela Pitt, uh, in supporting you, said the last thing that we need is more of the same. Right. And uh, your colleague in cabinet, Rebecca Schultz, has said the same thing about her campaign. The last thing we need is more of the same. And people are going, well, hang on. You're your cabinet minister. What do you mean? The last thing we need is more of the same. You were on the inside. Like, how are we supposed to take that seriously? So what are you saying to people in response to that?
3: Well, I would say I was on the inside and yet not on the inside at the same time, and uh, more of the same means, you know, the same um, group and, I guess, organizers and people that are involved in, uh, in Premier Kenny's campaign and their picks. Uh, Albertans asked for a change. 51.4% is not a mandate to lead. Absolutely not. So when you're choosing the same candidates and the same uh, infrastructure to to promote candidates, uh, that's what I mean, we don't want more of the same and there are certain candidates who represent that. So yes, I uh, was a cabinet minister, but uh, there was also an internal cabinet called the Priorities and Implementation Cabinet Committee and they had made most of the decisions around government policy in the last year and a half and I wasn't a part of that. And uh, that is is an issue as well. You know, when we are making decisions, and you're in cabinet, you're in executive council, everybody should have a chance to weigh in on those decisions. So more of the same is something that Alberton said hell no to. And uh, we need renewal, and we need new faces, and we need we need more diversity in terms of how we make decisions. And I'm not talking about ethnicity or gender, although that is very important as well. I'm talking about diversity of thought, of experience, and maybe not having lifelong politicians in place. Maybe having people who have real life experience, families, children, multi-generational households, that's what I mean. We don't need more of the same. That do not have those kinds of experiences and skill sets.
0: We're going to be talking to you know uh, Brian Baumler, the TV like the the TV host, the home improvement expert, the specialist. We're going to be talking about men's mental health uh, in just a few minutes. You did touch on mental health supports, and every time we talk about resources uh, on this show, whether it's across the country, men, women, what have you, as part of Pride, uh, we'll have conversations about mental health supports. People typically, when they talk about the biggest barriers, uh, aside from stigma, funding is is typically, or let me say access to counseling is, is one of the biggest ones. What tangibly uh, would you do? Like what would be an example, one or two things that you would do to make mental health supports more readily available to Albertans, in particular Albertans that aren't able to simply pay for mental health counseling?
3: Excellent question. Mental health supports are priority number one. How can you move forward on anything if you're not healthy if you're not physically healthy and mentally healthy. So one thing that I would launch right away as well is a mental health strategy, a provincial framework. And that means having a very clear understanding of all the supports that are available and where those gaps are. I know a lot of work has been done already Um, in government on this, but it has been inadequate because we know that this pandemic, the ECHO pandemic has been underway for some time and there are different demographics that need different kinds of supports for women, for seniors, for the LGBTQ2S community, for youth and children and that mental health framework and strategy would be number one priority while um, providing immediate funding right away to existing uh, civil society groups who are doing tremendous work already. So that's where I would start. I, I can't believe that more folks are not talking about this because, again, if you don't have health, how can you do? How can you move forward in any aspect of life? It doesn't matter if the economy is booming. It doesn't matter if uh, commodity prices are sky high. If your children are not healthy and whole, what does anything matter? How does anything matter? that
0: uh, this probably won't come up in, in the conservative leadership race in Alberta, but it will definitely come up next time. There's a, a provincial election campaign underway. Would you allow uh, coal exploration or mining to continue in Alberta's Eastern slopes? How would you approach that? Uh, probably the most, I would say at least one of the top three, probably the most contentious environmental story in Alberta in the last year and a half. Would you agree? How would you handle it?
3: I would agree. Very contentious, very controversial, needlessly so i was not happy about uh, the policy changes that were brought forward but minister savage has done a great job in having consultation she had a great chair uh, mr ron wallace who headed up that consultation and provided some very tangible ideas in a report and i would work very closely with mr wallace in terms of uh, understanding what we should implement go forward but yes uh you know our Landscape and our environment is very dear to Albertans and uh, I would not move in the direction of allowing any more exploration in that regard.
0: Would you consider reopening or refunding some of the supervised consumption services that have seen their funding caught uh, in response to this opioid crisis that's claimed you know, more than 25,000 Canadians in the last six years?
3: Well, I've always felt that we needed a spectrum of supports available, right? Um, so we are a we've um, talked about recovery orientation, but yes, we do need we do need a spectrum of supports that are available, and we'll definitely talk to the experts because I'm not an expert in this area, but I want to hear from the experts as to what direction we need to move into. and And I think uh, supervised consumption sites have been very controversial. Um, again, and people all from different political stripes do agree. The location of those uh, sites have been very difficult for the residents in those areas. And uh, we need to have a a stronger strategy around that. And again, I would talk to the experts for more information.
0: I I know we're, uh, I gotta let you go, uh, and everybody wants to talk to you, et cetera. Let me just ask you in closing, because we care, and because uh, a significant element of of our listening audience is in your riding, and in both your and my home city of Calgary right now. We showed a couple photos out of the gates this morning of berms that are being constructed right now. They got backhoes working along Memorial Drive. They're going to try to contain this river. Um, give us a sense of, of what ha- what's happening and, and what you're seeing in Calgary right now with regards to potential flooding.
3: Yeah, so that's exactly what I'm going to be doing after this call. I'll be heading over to my constituency and having a closer look. I've uh, received a note from uh, Mayor Gondek as well and uh, we'll be having some further discussions around her in terms of what supports are going to be needed right away. Um, I was overseeing the Springbank Reservoir uh, One project as well which is designed to prevent flood mitigation um, for these very kinds of situations so I'm very hopeful that um, the situation is not going to deteriorate, and of course, that project is well into the future. But it's just indicative of the of the fact that these climate events are happening more and more. So I um, I can't do a whole lot. I'm no longer a minister. Yeah. But habits die hard. I will be talking to elected officials everywhere, and to some of my government uh, colleagues to understand what I can do and what supports are going to be immediately available.
0: Where were you, where were you in 2013 when, when that all went down? What, what do you remember about that? That was a, that was just a obviously a devastating time. I was working in television down there. I remember driving down from Edmonton to Calgary to simulcast a province wide show. I remember driving down about three in the morning down the QE two and coming into Calgary. And it was just, I, I mean, I grew up there and I had never seen anything like it. I mean, it was like the entire, as you remember, the entire downtown core totally underwater. I mean, it was just, it it was wild to see. What do you remember?
3: So my twins were very young at that Mm. age and I was at home with them. And uh, we had friends who lived in the downtown core who packed up all their belongings and came and stayed with us. And my husband was calling me from downtown and I could just hear it in his voice. He was in a state of shock and he was devastated. And so as he was driving, we were... We were talking about what was going to happen and how we were going to help certain families and in the days after I was home with the kids but we were making sandwiches and uh, delivering food to impacted families and I did make it out to um, some households and help them clean up clean out their basements and but I just remember thinking um, you know the way these climate events can impact and up, turn over somebody's life turn it over upside down inside out Anybody can be vulnerable. Yeah. And that's why I felt really strongly about the SR1 project to make sure that we started construction as soon as possible, just to make sure a situation like that can never happen again.
0: That's Rajan Sani. Uh, she's still the MLA for Calgary Northeast, but she's resigned as Alberta's transportation minister to declare her candidacy for the leadership of the United Conservative Party. Uh, it's nice to connect with you and uh You know, hey, if you become premier, I expect we'll have to make these conversations a regular thing. Thanks for making time for Real Talk.
3: I can't wait. Thank you very much. It was such a pleasure. You got it.
0: The Real Talkers, let us know what you think about what you heard. I just checked in on the live chat. We got lots of engagement there, which is, is awesome to see. Uh, And uh, everybody's got their own take their own. What's really interesting to see is especially this happens during a leadership race. And then, of course, also during a general election is, is people come to the table. I'm talking citizens, engaged citizens like you with your priorities. So some of you might say, you know, ask her about coal or ask her about curriculum or ask her about mental health supports uh some of you might have sort of what might be described as what do i call it not like a niche issue uh i don't mean that sounds a little too dismissive but but an issue that's really important to you and your family but it's not all over everybody else's radars i think about these oh, i'm gonna get it wrong but was it these insulin pumps remember that the government was going to pull funding for the alberta government this is a provincial story for those of you listening outside the province and and and, and we would get messages from people we did get a ton emails tweets from people saying you got to talk about this is this is going to screw us over this is a big deal if your family doesn't have a, a a member that's diabetic or that requires insulin or that was tapped into that program it's probably not on your radar but it matters to those folks right so We try to cover as much ground as we can in these interviews. We obviously leave a lot on the table, and these are ongoing conversations as this leadership race unfolds. I saw some of you asking in the live chat, well, when are you going to talk to this candidate? When are you going to talk to this candidate? We have invites out to all of them, and we'll probably connect with, I would imagine, most of them. Uh, Some of them may decline. You never know how that's going to go. That's kind of how a talk show works. I have my own thoughts on, on some of Ms. Sonny's answers. She's, she's campaigning for the leadership of a party, so she's got, to be, she's got a whole team. I know uh, some of the people on her team I know personally, and they're skilled, and they're great at messaging and, and political strategy. She's got to find that sweet spot where she can retain the support across those different sort of spots on that political spectrum. I thought it was interesting that the interview just happened. I haven't really had time to chew on it Uh, with regards to uh, supervised consumption. She says one of the things that, that we know that can be really contentious is the location of these sites. And we really have to talk to people about where they're located. Sure. Probably, in my mind, the most important element of the conversation around supervised consumption services is that they work and that nobody in history in Canada has ever overdosed and died at a supervised consumption site. Meantime, what did we hear Uh, 24 hours ago on this show, 48 hours ago, 72 hours ago? We've had ongoing conversations about this. Remember the Northwest Fest film, the documentary we were talking about, uh, about about Vancouver's downtown east side and, Mm -hmm. and, and these supports down there? More than 25,000 Canadians have died since 2016 due to opioid poisoning, drug overdose, and zero of those deaths have occurred at supervised consumption services. Mm-hmm. So maybe nobody wants one right next door to their condo. But, but if I, it saved
1: I, lives, like what?
0: <laughs> like, right? Can you imagine if we were like, you know, here. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's a little bit apples and oranges. I, I don't want to sort of dumb down our conversation here by introducing this. But can you imagine if we had vaccination stations for COVID-19, but people yeah. started pushing back? Well, I don't want it in my neighborhood. And then we started saying, well, we're yeah. not sure. We're not sure if we can have these vaccine sta- vaccination areas because these people don't want it in their neighborhood.
1: But those people, they don't want it wide. Like noise? crime or just are just looking out their window mm-hmm. at people who may not be on the same you know, spectrum as they are in life, so probably all of the above. I mean, we can we can we can deal with noise and crime in other ways. And- well, there are people that have, that have, and and here's where
0: evidence if it saves lives. Who cares? And this is where evidence is really important, right? And we talk about we want peer review studies. We want evidence, like Professor Ben Perrin, who was Stephen Harper's conservative prime minister, <laughs> right? He was Stephen Harper's criminal justice advisor. Ben was on the show what two days ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And he was talking, he said, there's more than 100 peer-reviewed studies that support supervised consumption services. You are going to find people that will say, I live near one, and I found a needle in my backyard. And you can understand how that would be really troubling for somebody that has a little kid in their backyard, and they found a needle in their backyard. Well, I mean, and I don't mean to dismiss people's perspectives, Mm -hmm. but also probably the best way to keep needles out of back alleys and backyards is to make sure that more of the supervised consumption is happening in the location, in exactly. the facility.
1: Like these, these sites aren't going to be in the suburbs. These are located in places where people are using the most, right? So
0: yeah, and then also we acknowledge that a lot of people that are using opioids. I mean, that crosses these socioeconomic borders, and it's people of all. You got CEOs that are, you know, my brother works. You know, I, I say this often. I mean, a lot of my perspectives come from firsthand, kind of the horse's mouth type scenarios. And he never betrays the trust of any of their clients. He never obviously provides any identifying details or anything like that.
1: These people but are at every level. Of- he
0: tells me, John, he says he says people literally come in in three-piece suits,
1: mm-hmm.
0: briefcases, absolutely, professionals. People come in with their AirPods in, taking a business phone call. They come in. They use under supervision. Mm-hmm. They make sure that they mellow out. They make sure that everything's kosher. They thank their healthcare professional for being there and they go
1: on their way. I mean, you know, a large percentage of these people are people who have been injured at work, went on medication for it, did, you know, developed a problem, like these are these are regular people. These aren't just, you know, everyone has this picture of who they think
0: 100%. Glenda right now I just drop in the live chat. I, I love this. You guys are great. Glenda says the people using these sites are your family. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Kimberly says, but those people who have opioid addictions are not priorities. Some people with addictions are functioning daily in high-level jobs. They live in affluent neighborhoods. They have families, too. Absolutely right. Dr. Bradley Martin, my man, great to see him here live. He says, this is just evidence of stigma. Yep. And Bradley says, we want actual evidence when it comes to crime. I mean, I've I've spoken, I've interviewed presidents of community leagues and inner-city neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and you get different stories. Some of them have said that crime's actually down. There's been more police patrol around. Others have said, well, we've seen an uptick in crime Is it anecdotal? Is it it causation, correlation? Who knows? I mean, this is not to dismiss these complaints. No. I think that the more, and this show plays a role in this, the more conversation we have about this. Right? If somebody writes into the show and says, here's my perspective, here's my personal lived experience, we want to share that. So other people can chew on it. This isn't a show where we pass everything through the filter to see if everybody agrees. And if everybody agrees, then we can present it and all pat ourselves on the back for choosing the right perspective on issues every single time. That's not it. But it's also a show that will side heavily with science and data and evidence. And we
1: know they work and we know they save lives. So let's refine how how they're done and make them better. That's, yeah. that's the bottom line.
0: I think it's interesting. One of the things I liked about what Rajin does, and, and we'll see how, how it plays out, is right out of the gate, she goes, yeah, I'm like center, center, right. She just <laughs> says, here's where I am. Like, if you're trying to figure out of all these names, because there's going to be a lot of them by the time that this is all said and done, my guess is that you'll have probably, you know, let's say... 5 to 8 serious contenders mm-hmm. 5 to 8 serious ones mm-hmm. I'd be I'd I'd really like to see like some sort of a business or community leader I'd like to see somebody without political Background, yeah, uh, enter this and make it interesting as opposed to a bunch of former cabinet ministers all claiming that they had no say in any of the decisions. Yeah, that's going to be a bit of a boring race, but I think it'd be interesting if somebody came in and shook it up a little bit.
1: You know, I didn't, I'm not going to say which things I agreed with what she was saying or not. I'm not going to get into that, but I did like, like you just said, how she was brave and just said right off the bat. I'm moderate, I'm center, because immediately you're going to gain some people who are going to listen to you more, and there's some people who are just going to tune out, like the more far-right conservatives, right? Yeah. But, hey, you say you're closer to center, I immediately peek up and start listening to you, because I like, I try to start every opinion I form from the center, right? Hmm. So all right, uh,
0: I mean, I could sit here and just He's read. Uh, yeah, we've got a we've got a a big bi- kind of a big deal here, ready to rock. Uh, Brian Baumler in just a second. I want to remind. <laughs> there he is, right there. He's going. Jesperson, what the hell is going on, right? Do we get to <laughs> hang out or not? He's like, I'm giving you my warning. Like, do we get to hang out or not? All right, before we do, can we do a bit of a show and tell here? Can Let's can can it. we take people into the Friesen Brothers South Edmonton store? So I went there yesterday with my little guy doing a bit of a grocery run, and I wanted to show off a few things that I think you might find pretty cool. They're, you're gonna. Find Find Alberta made products, local products everywhere you go, including their smoked dog bones. How about this? You got somebody doing some smoking in their backyard. I'm talking the brisket variety. I'm talking the 12 hour process that just drives the whole neighborhood nuts. Everybody hoping for an invitation. Look at these pork bellies they've got. They're real butchers are making these available. I used to buy from a bit of a meat dealer back in the day. I can tell you that Friesen Brothers prices are lower. The quality is higher. Unbelievable stuff. Here's
1: what I want. The backyard margaritas. This is great, right? (laughs)
0: This is Alberta made. This is local margarita mix, but I checked it out even closer. And this is because in our family, we've been doing a lot of the non-alcoholic varieties of things through this pregnancy. Oh, it's not. So it's actually, it's not just like mix. Mix. It's actually a non-alcoholic drink. Oh yeah, wow. so it's kind of perfect for if you're laying off the sauce, if you need to mix one in in between the coronas. You can find that made in Alberta and I wanted to highlight this as well. These are Baba Zone Head, of head You got the pierogies. You got the cabbage rolls all benefiting efforts in Ukraine right now. Oh, wow. You don't find that at every grocery store, right? I
1: brothers. how many cabbage rolls are sold in Edmonton. Oh, man. the Ukrainian, like, they just must fly off the shelf. Well, you know
0: what I love, too, is, like, the the, the, the frozen pierogi market in Edmonton, too, is a competitive one because everybody wants to know about your credentials. <laughs> Who made these? Well, these are Baba Zone, and you'll only find them at Friesen Brothers, Alberta Grown and Alberta Owned. You know, Park Power is operating across our... Prom, uh, let me try that again. They're operating across our home province as well, and it feels good to support local. When your utilities support local, even better. You know, 10% of their... Profits on electricity go to nonprofits in their community and when you sign up, you get to choose which charity benefits from your electricity bill. How cool is that? Parkpower.ca is the website. The promo code to save $70 off your first bill is 2022-REALTALK. And before we get to Brian Baumler, I have to let you know about what Infinity Healthcare is doing because I know that for a lot of families, finding reliable, trustworthy home care for your loved one is right at the top of your to-do list. Maybe grandma needs to remember to take her meds. Some days she's missing them. Uh, Maybe your uncle is leaving pre-prepared nutritious meals in the fridge. He forgets they're there or he's not heating them up or whatever. Maybe the cat's litter box isn't getting changed. Maybe the laundry's piling up. Whatever it is, Infinity Healthcare finds that perfect fit. Their healthcare aides across the province are allowing families to breathe easier knowing they have Home care they can trust. You can find it online at infinity-8.ca. Well, it was our pleasure to talk to members of Parliament, Gord Johns out of BC, Matt Genereau out of Alberta the other day to find out what politicians at the federal level are doing across the board to work on men's mental health in just a second we're going to check in with celebrity brian Baumler. most of you know exactly who we're talking about but johnny can can we tee this up a little bit of a reminder for folks this is exactly what this guy does and and why it seems that everybody that's tuning in around the world has fallen so in love with his story check this out
4: we're back we are back we're back
0: back on the island
4: back in florida
0: Back to Cerulamar. Back to the airport. Back in Florida.
4: Back to the airport. Back at Cerulamar. Airport. Resort. Florida. Flights delayed. House. Everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere, but back to normal. No, no this, this is, is our, our totally, totally not, not normal, normal new, new normal. normal.
0: Yeah, all right, that's the Bobbler clan, Island of so. Brian. Everybody loves it. I think Brian, what now? Season four, as we welcome you back to Real Talk. It's good to see you here. This is the fourth season, isn't it? The, this is currently yeah. Already.
4: Yeah, we're uh yeah, we've aired the first half of season 4.
0: We're still we're still working on the
4: second half, but it's coming soon.
0: <laughs> oh, is that right? So you're airing the first half of a season, you are not even finished production of the second. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, well th- I mean that's that's what happens
4: when it's it's real life.
0: Yeah. Well, this is, uh, you're going to be supporting this this Father's Day on the Hill event. It's it's actually happening today, and we're excited you've made time uh, to talk to us. This is, it's it's cool to see a guy like you bring your story to a mental health initiative, and and the reason I wanted to play that quick clip of your show is you and your family are accustomed to bringing cameras into your reality, right? You're accustomed to to, to letting people see your kids, people know what your wife looks like, people know about your frustrations, Uh, people see Brian to a certain degree as you present yourself, but talking about your mental health publicly that that's taking it to another level
4: well it's interesting you know people see the edited version uh you know of our lives and i think people see the edited version of everybody's life uh you know social media now it, everyone's got the great picture you know as as guys we tend to say hey man how you doing and the, and you're programmed to say everything's good how are you and you know it's great and you walk off and, and you uh, you find a dark corner to curl up and cry. And when you need to, uh, you know, it's interesting. I had a I had a real interesting journey with anxiety, severe anxiety and depression, you know, from my early 20s, uh, you know, right through to my mid 30s. And, um, you know, agoraphobia, you know, 24 hour day anxiety and panic. I, I thought at any second I was going to drop dead. And, you know, I filmed the first three years of the shows, disaster DIY like that. So if you watch any of those early shows, there's a, you know, there's a 99% chance. It doesn't matter what I'm saying, you know, in my head, I'm thinking I'm going to drop dead at any second. It's going to be pretty embarrassing, you know, on on camera. Uh, But you have to internalize this stuff. You know, guys are, guys are raised, you know, to, to be tough, especially in the trades and, and hands-on things. And it's like, you know, big boys don't cry and, you know, don't, don't be a baby and, and just internalize it and go. But the truth is, you know, when I, had kids and I got a little older and I realized we're playing the back nine now. I mean, let's be honest, you know, we're it's, it's sad, but we're, you know, we might even, (laughs) we might be on like the whole
0: 15 or 16. Well, I was going to say 13. I hope we're on, I hope we're on 12 (laughs) or 13. Yeah. 16
4: is a little, yeah. I read a thing the other day and it said, you know, we all think midlife is when you're getting close to 50, but midlife, you know, for the average life expectancy of a male is 37, which is terrifying. That was, that was 11 years ago for me. Um, so, you know, a lot of this stuff, I think we just, we have to talk about our oldest son, you know, started to have some anxiety issues when he was, when he was younger. And, and I kind of kicked into dad mode. And I said, listen, here's, you know, here's why, here's the science behind it. Here's why you feel like this, this way. Uh, here's how to talk yourself out of that circle. that, that just makes things worse. I, and, and for him, that was effective, you know, within six months to a year, he was kind of through it and past it, experienced it, knows how to deal with it. When I first, you know, I think I was 22 and, you know, I, I had, I had this feeling like I, I was, you know, having a heart attack at 22, you know, sitting, having lunch. And, and I thought, you know, I looked at my buddy, I said, I, I think I need to go to the hospital. I, you know, my, my pulse feels like it's, it's all over the place. And, And he he just looked at me. He said, "Don't be a moron. You're fine." And I said, "No, I I think I do." So they hooked up to all these machines and everything. And and, you know, the net result was they looked at me and said, "Oh, that's weird. I don't know. Uh, Go home and sleep it off." So I went home and slept it off and thought, "Well, shit, I'm never going to wake up. This is it." Um, But had somebody educated me at that time and, and talked to me about that, you know, I think that would have cut about 15 years off of that journey for me, where where it was really, you know, self treatment, exposure therapy. I uh, just just realizing, okay, fine, this you know I' it's not gonna happen. Uh, I think that's what kind of got me through it.
0: I, I I'll confess to you that when you mentioned uh, you, you've you've lived with agoraphobia, I, I googled it because I, I I don't know a ton about it. Um, would you agree with this this assessment or this description of it? this is from the Mayo Clinic's website? They say it's a type of anxiety disorder. In which you fear and avoid places or situations that might cause you to panic and make you feel trapped, helpless, or embarrassed. Would, would that fit your experience? Yeah, I mean it's
4: it's a real uh, you know. In my twenties, I would leave the house and, and five minutes later, you know, you're in a you're there's three people in line to pay for gas, and and you you just you just start to freak. out. All you want to do is run home into your safe place and hide and, and pop out of it all day. I mean, I, I lost weeks of my life, you know, popping out of it and kind of waking up like, what the, what the hell was that? Um, you know, there was a time in my life, in my 20s, I thought I should just take this whole bottle and, it, it, you know, I'll feel better, uh, you know, somehow, which is crazy. You know, the statistics on men's mental health are, are, are pretty shocking. 75% of suicides in Canada are by men and it's younger men. Uh, there's 4,000 suicides a year in Canada. And, you know, mental health for men doesn't just affect men. It's not, it's not a men's mental health issue. Mental health for men: anxiety, depression. You know, it comes out in, in, in anger. It comes out in irritability. It comes out in mood swings. You know, that translates into you know potentially crime, domestic violence. Uh, You know, that flows down to your children, your family, uh, everything. So that that it's really an issue that, you know, affects everybody.
0: This is. uh, (laughs) I realize that what I'm about to say is like probably perpetuating the problem but I want to make a point, And that is just that you and I have known each other for a while. I think that this is our fourth or fifth interview. Uh, we, we've spoken on TV and we've spoken on radio. You've been here on the show, on the podcast. We've uh, sipped whiskey in your studio. We, yes. We've, we've <laughs> sipped whiskey and at, at like eight 30 in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. But, but, and I, and I, and, you know, I mean, I remember like when you come in, you bring, you're one of these people that like brings energy into a room. You, you know, this, I mean, there, there's, mm-hmm can I say that there's a lot of people that know how to do what you do on the sense of like improving homes or building buildings or whatever, oh, but, yeah, but, yeah, there's, but there's a very short list of people that build their own company and have international endorsements and have popular television shows that are in syndication in dozens of countries and that are household names. And that when you attach your name to this father's day on the Hill event, men are going to pay attention and men are going to go and they're going to go to the website because it's you, you're, you're this cat. Captivating, gregarious, intelligent, funny, likable person, uh, and 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 from the moment that I first met you, even the handshake. My grandpa Rudy taught me all about handshakes. You can tell a lot from Brian Baumler's handshake. I mean, the last thing here's where I get into perpetrating stigma, and here's what I realize: yep. maybe the last thing you would suspect is that Brian Baumler's curled up in a ball. That that Brian Baumler's looking at downing his whole bottle of Adderan. That Brian Baumler has cracks in his foundation. Right? I mean at what point did yeah. you was was there something that happened where you said, "You know what? I I, I got to be a little bit more vulnerable. I got to show at least some people this. I got to start talking about it." I mean, d- did you have to get over a real hump there? Yeah, it was
4: interesting. I mean, it, it's uh it's funny listening to you describe me. Um I uh it's like being I feel like we should go to dinner and talk about this. Hey, a um, long
0: walk on the beach,
4: man. I'll do it. Yeah, man. It's interesting, you know, back in, you know, through my 20s and early 30s, and especially when I got into the television, I mean, my first day of television, I, I stood there and I-, I, you know, my heart rate went up. I started sweating and I thought, oh, man, you know, I've signed up for this show. I, I forgot I have a massive anxiety disorder and I just I just want to run home and hide. Um, God, but it really, you know, doing that wasn't an option. Uh, you know, I had, a- I, had- I had bills to pay, I had a family to feed, and, and a lot of people suffer in silence, and, and you know, I, I certainly did. Once I learned to manage it and get through it, you know, I, I really did a lot of research and that, that, that's the way I am with anything. I'll read every book. I'll watch every video. I'll ask every question. Once I understood the science behind it, you know, why are my hands tingling? Why is my heart rate going up? Why, am, why do I have tunnel vision? Why do I feel like I'm going to die? Once I understood the science behind it, I, I, could, I could put two and two together and start to manage it myself. And, you know, there's still times I get up on stage and there's 5,000 people and, 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 you know, the heart rate goes up a little bit, but I know why. So I don't, I don't perpetuate that spinoff into full, you know, full blown panic. I think it was, you know, again, when I had kids, I, I, I think I just said, you know, this needs to be talked about. I think we need to remove, remove the barriers, uh, from talking about it. And about a year ago, it was interesting. You know, one of my friends sent me, uh, you see all these, these motivational memes and sayings and and what have you that come around. And a friend of mine sent me something and and it was, it was very much like, you know, it, 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 if you're a dude, it's okay to, you know, hug your, hug your bro and, and have a good cry and, and say, you're not okay. Along the not verbatim, but along those lines. And I just, you know, I thought all the content we put is so curated and it's so, you know, it's sunny in the background. Everything's great. We're ahead of schedule. We're under budget. You know, the marriage is great. The kids are happy. It's all bullshit. Uh, you know, it's, it's not always bullshit, but, but uh, it's certainly there.
0: Well, it's, and, cu- I like your, it's curated.
4: It is curated. It has to be. I mean, everybody's life now on social media is curated, you know, like, how are you doing? You're going to say, I'm good, man. How are you? You I'm shit. I had a huge fight with my wife last night. I feel like a piece of garbage. And I just, you know, I need someone to hug me while I cry. You're not going to say that, but you should be able to say that. So I, I took this thing that a friend sent me and I, I don't know, I just, I hit, you know, post, add to story, whatever it is. And I was shocked. I probably had 50 or 60 direct messages from other contractors, big burly men. Don't cry. You know, I'm a tough guy. I can lose an arm and it's just a flesh wound kind of thing. You know, about 50 of these guys sent me messages and they said, Holy shit, man. You know, thanks. I, I really needed to, to hear that today. I've been having a rough week, rough month. You know, I, I had this, I had that. And that's when I realized there's, you know, there's this connection uh, that people have that, that everybody's putting on a show. I mean, let let's be honest. We're all pretty optimistic. Like none of us are getting out of this alive. You know what I mean? We're we're all we're all going the same place. Uh, You know, we have to enjoy and support each other and enjoy that journey along the way. So if I can share, you know, a tidbit of information of my experience that I dealt with for 15 years that can help someone cut that off in six months, you know, or maybe maybe a year, then you know, I feel like I should do it.
0: Uh, Brian, I, every time we connect, it's an absolute pleasure. The door is always open to you on this show. The only reason that I'm wrapping up our conversation is because I, I happen to know you have another interview that you've got you're to do. You're going <laughs> <yelled at>. <laughs> to get yelled at. I'm going to get yelled at And your publicist will never let me talk to you again. So I'm not going to fuck up like that. But let let me just ask <laughs> you in closing: Hey, you're 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 rubbing shoulders with politicians. You're really moving the needle on this conversation. This is all going down in Ottawa. After we wrap with you, I'll give everybody the details. Would you ever consider yep. a run at politics?
4: That's funny. I had that conversation over breakfast. And uh, little known
0: fact, I do have a degree in political science.
4: And, uh, you know, speaking of this event today on Parliament Hill, I think is the closest I've ever come to actually utilizing it. Um, Never say never, Ryan. That's all I'm
1: gonna
0: okay, say. Okay, I like it. I like it. <laughs> we can get you to actually overhaul 24 Sussex once you're prime minister. You can just oh, do it geez. yourself, buddy. Can you think of the it. you think of the views on that TV series? Um, hey, yeah. I just respect the hell out of what you're doing, Brian. People can check it out. I'm showing the website right now, Father's Day on the Hill. for more. That's Brian Baumler. Of course, you know where to find him on Instagram. About a quarter million people following him there on Twitter too. Thanks, brother. All right. Thanks, man. Good to see you. Yeah, you bet. Good to see you too. And woof, he rolls right into another interview at 1130 Eastern. Hmm. That guy's a beauty.
1: Yeah. Said a lot of things that re- resonated. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think about some of the conversations we've had when it comes to specifically uh, to men's mental health mm-hmm. and conversations I've had with friends, for example, that are firefighters. And they talk about how there's a, a bit of a culture change happening in the fire halls after tough calls. Yeah. Everybody used to well, I don't know how they used to be in the sixties and seventies. I know that we have some retired firefighters that that join us on the regular. maybe they'll chime in chime in on our live chat but but I know even even in the more modern era, um, like everybody with smartphones, for example, mm-hmm. some of my pals would tell me that after a tough call and we're talking about I mean you know I mean the really difficult stuff children. Uh, yeah. you know house fires stuff that death by suicide y- stuff like this the real unsee. the real tough stuff and uh, they said that the guys or the firefighters let me say not all men obviously uh, would would go back to the fire and then they all kind of like go on their phones maybe some guys would like have a coffee in the kitchen or maybe some, you know kind of laugh try to take their minds off it uh, maybe some guys might click on the sports highlights and mm. then a whole bunch of guys would just go by themselves and go on their phones and maybe they're checking in with their family maybe they're taking their minds off it maybe they're playing fantasy football who knows it is
1: a way to distract
0: but now uh, it sounds like on a more regular basis you know the uh the captain in the hall or whoever will say like have a seat and we're mm-hmm. gonna talk we're we to talk about this right we should. Uh, you talk about some of the conversations that are happening i don't know wherever it is on the golf course or in, in even industries that might be sort of Predominantly, not exclusively, mm-hmm. but predominantly more men, like job sites. I think it's really interesting to hear Brian yeah. talk about all those contractors reaching out to him, privately reaching out saying, thank you for talking about this in the trades.
1: I think even here, like, we ask each other every day, how are you? And we look each other in the eye, because we know, I like how Brian said that. We are predisposed to say, yeah, everything's fine, man. Good, how are you? But, like, imagine if you just, when you went to work... because. At least half the days of the week, you're not feeling 100%. Uh, Like Brian said, what if we just said to each other, hey, I'm actually feeling really shitty today. Had a huge fight with my wife. I can't concentrate on work. Yeah. And then you just had like a five-minute conversation with someone. It's going to calm you down. It's going to bring your pulse down. It's going to bring that anxiety down. So, But a lot of us would just say, like he said, oh, I'm good, man. Everything's fine bury it (laughs) I
0: appreciate these comments and it it is it's 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 not I won't say it's easy to bury it but it sometimes it feels like the easier option but the the long-term implication of that Mm -hmm. or in some cases even the short term I mean speaking of retired firefighters Lauren Corbett I happen to know Lauren personally met him at an Oilers game as a matter of fact this guy walked up to me I posted the photo of it walks up wearing a real talk Ryan Jesperson snapback (laughs) cap and I just said the first thing we did we shook hands and then that evolved into a hug And then I said, We got to go right to the bar. We got to get a couple (laughs) cold ones. Then we can talk. You got to get a couple cold ones. Then we can talk. Anyway, Lord became like it is a cherished friend early. The point is, uh, he's a retired fire chief. He says, Facing one's fears is brave, reaching for help is more brave. Tracy says, identifying the problems, sorting through the options, making a decision, developing a plan takes commitment and always feels hard. Absolutely, Tracy's sharing with us. She says, panic attacks are scary. I had one at 24 when I decided to take my first overseas vacation. Hmm. And then there's a lot of conversation going on about pierogies as well, which I kind of suspected <laughs> might happen. No, it
1: it it popped off. Uh, let me let me give a that. shout
0: out uh, a shout out to Haas in particular because I I need to to create an entry here. Uh, before I do, I going to come back. I'll recognize Haas in just a second, but, but I, I got some backlog here cause we're just having great conversation after great conversation and we have to pay a couple bills. And so I want to do that by reminding you that Kubi energy is providing solar energy solutions to power your life. I heard from a real talker named Josh in Vancouver yesterday who said to me, he reached out specifically to say, I didn't realize Kubi was in BC. I go, yeah, uh, Josh is interested cause he drives a Tesla and he wants to put a charging station into his house. Kubi, they're Tesla certified, so they set up these great residential systems, solar on the roof or wherever the best place for it is, and then a Tesla charging station, so your EV can plug in in a way that's reliable, that's installed by professionals. Everybody's doing EVs now. You see Volvo, I think said over the mm-hmm. weekend they're going to by 2030. The oh no, it's Buick. Pardon me, Buick by 2030, the whole lineup EVs. I like it. I love it's, it. It's like six. Like The 2023s are out now, right? That's yeah. seven years from now. That's coming quick. It's coming quick. More people are going to be looking at putting charging stations in. It's one of the things that Kubi does. You can get your free quote today at kubienergy.ca. They're going to be at the Real Talk Golf Classic.
1: Those guys are awesome. Bunch of beauties. <laughs>
0: Same with Eden Landscaping. We can't wait for them to be out there at the tourney. It's next Thursday, by the way. Still have a few foursomes left. I think there's three foursomes left till we sell out.
1: And you got a planter problem, so you got to call Eden this weekend. <laughs> no, no, no. No, the, they they blew off and exploded all
0: over the sidewalk, but but the, the hanging baskets themselves were not damaged. Oh, so you just got to refill. It's just a recon. It's just like a, a reconstruction. Uh, <laughs> what needs to happen? Uh, some of the geraniums are a little worse for wear, but. <laughs> Should have just left it to Eden Landscaping, bringing outdoor spaces to life, although they're a little bit more than hanging baskets. They're retaining walls and edible garden boxes and water features, stonework, outdoor kitchens. No job too small. There's no job too big either. You can check out their portfolio online at landscapeedmonton.ca. That's our friends at Eden Landscaping at sherwood and st albert dodge they make it easier than it ever has been to shop for your next vehicle whether your family's downsizing based on fuel prices or maybe you're ramping it up or ramming it up with your new trailer (laughs) you need something to pull it st albert and sherwood dodge has the best selection in the province they can combine their inventories to make sure you get exactly what you need or you can custom order using the shopping tools link you just click it down that drop down menu on their website and there you go you can buy your vehicle design it online exactly how you want it at st albert and sherwood dodge and our friends at local environmental want to remind you their top priority is keeping it local and having that family business feel every time you deal with them they compete for business whether it's the small ma and pa shops the big hotels malls they do it all we back onto a commercial type area in our neighborhood, and I saw a new local waste bin out there the oh. other day. All right, all right, all right. Keep it local. Check out localenvironmental.ca today. I was just waiting until the band was done killed. And it. I thought we could wrap it up Hit there. Hit the post. So Haas is going, Well, you better get to my comment because you promised you would. And um, I promised Haas yesterday by way of email that I would give them a shout out on the show uh, because. Uh, They pointed out something that's pretty important, and we appreciate the fact checks that happen here on the show. If you hear something and and it doesn't pass the smell test, if you go, I'm pretty sure that's incorrect. We want to hear from you. The Babas Uh, thing? uh, uh, Oh, someone said that I said Babas is only available at Friesen Brothers? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I said that, but I'll go back and check the tape. What are you talking about? You can get Zone everywhere. Well, well, can I develop my (laughs) thoughts? Jeez. (laughs) You're like, oh, actually, right. There's some more criticism. I'm not sure if you missed it, but did I say the Papa? I didn't say Papa's Own is only available for and Brothers. That. No. no, I don't think so. But if I did, I apologize. I'm sure you can get it everywhere. Papa's Own just got like three thousand dollars worth of advertising right now. Hey, I- that's great. Their I- pro- their proceeds are going to Ukraine. So
1: when I post the episode of this, I'll do like a. Rewind, and then I'll play the clip. That's an amazing
0: idea. Yeah. Can we do that? Check we the tape? Yeah, check the I tape. I like that about the sports talk shows where there's like the producer that sits in the back, and then at the end, they mm-hmm. spend three minutes, like, where did the host screw up? So let's cue it up right now. Let's check the tape, Ryan. You got the pierogies, you got the cabbage rolls, all benefiting efforts in Ukraine right now. Oh, wow. You don't find that at every grocery store, right? Well, these are Baba's Zone, and you'll only find them at Friesen Brothers, Alberta Grown and Alberta Owned. Turns out I was wrong. That's two points for that real talker. Uh you, sometimes we have more fun on the podcast. Sometimes you gotta be here live on YouTube. Who knows? Hawes is like, read my damn comment. You said you're gonna read my comment, so read it. Haas says, I've never met a pierogi I didn't like. Baba's chimo Uncle Ed's. He says, uh the yellow bag matters. What does that mean? Uh he says, Oh, the yellow bag matters not. They are all excellent tools for getting sour cream, bacon, and onion into my mouth. Mm-hmm. Well said, Haas. Because
1: the different colored bags, right? There's like the sweet leaf cabbage. There's the onion cabbage. There's do you the have potato. Like a,
0: do you have like a, a dream pierogi? Like, I it's...
1: just like the rice and onion. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like, I like Classic. That. Classic. Just keep it like that.
0: The classic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm up for exploring. I've had some that are a little, they get a little squirrely. <laughs> like, do we really need to? It's become like pizza, too. Yeah. You know, do we do we need to make everything into a calzone? Does everything need to be made into a pierogi? I don't know. <laughs> but here is the real thing I wanted to get to with Haws, who was tuned in yesterday when we were talking to Bruce Arthur from the Toronto Star and uh, from TSN. And Bruce, uh, great interview. We talked a lot about this live tour in golf and and how he thinks that if the Saudis continue to spend and spend and spend on this, the PGA tour could become the second most popular or the second most watched uh, golf tour in the world. He said, that's a real possibility. You really should check out that conversation. And then the beautiful thing about talking with Bruce is he writes about politics as well. Mm-hmm. And so you can talk sports and politics. It's kind of how I hang out with my friends anyway. So I appreciate those. <laughs> we talk about everything, right? Believe it or not. Sometimes we even talk about dumb stuff, uh, but Bruce kind of gets into, you know, Pierre Poliev and Bitcoin and a ton of stuff. You can find that on our June fourteenth episode of Real Talk with with uh, Bruce Arthur. That was a great conversation, and 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 not to mention as well, uh, Mubin Sheikh, who talked to us the the, the former uh, undercover operative for CSIS about these Idaho arrests, this Patriot Front story. Fascinating show yesterday.
1: And if you know his background, when you're watching him talk, you just right everything just hits a little harder. Yeah, like he so. was
0: recruited. He was. He, he describes was, himself as an extremist as a yeah. young man. And then his uh, he found a journey out you can read more about him uh, we'll just follow him on Twitter at mr. Mabeen shake and and, mm-hmm. and connect with him and he's committed really his life now to working with uh, non He works with an NGO I think it's called parents for peace off the top of my head down mm-hmm. in the US uh, he teaches public safety at Seneca College and he's a consultant and I get the sense as well he doesn't tell us everything he's doing Do yeah. you get that sense too
1: yeah there's some there's a little bit of reservation there but yeah. like when you hear and hear, what he's been through and what he's done, uh, you hang on every word. So go back to that episode yesterday. Yeah, and well then said. going into Bruce, oh, that was a great one. Yeah, yeah,
0: well said. Anyway, Bruce says when we start talking about uh, you know controversial ownership or controversial investment in sports and whether or not fans care about it, he says, well. Um, he says, "Well, we'll take a look at you know, pro football. Like we're talking soccer mm-hmm. uh, in Europe, and and he says that you know Dubai owns this team, uh, and and it's you know no one seems to care, and yada yada yada." And uh, Hawes reached out, and he he said it made me sad to hear Bruce Arthur incorrectly assert that Dubai, which isn't even in Saudi Arabia, it's in the United Arab Emirates, owns PSG football team. PSG is owned by uh, the Qatar Investment Fund. A, yeah. Yeah, he says yet another country separate from Saudi Arabia and the uae he says that's a hell of a lot of misinformation used to set up his narrative uh, haas goes on to say really if we need to tee off on relationships had with the saudis we should be looking at our own government's relationship with them that's actually something we have a bit of influence on mm-hmm. and haas hits the nail on the head there and i agree but with him.
1: bruce went on twitter Do you want he to pull did the tweet he, and he ate he, his words didn't he? he did he said i said a lot of great things in this interview but i also was pretty dumb in uh, pointing to that.
0: Yeah, path. I think he yeah. said something like his his whole interview wasn't completely stupid or yeah. something like that, <laughs> which, I, which, it's, which it's I thought a was tweet. kind of a, a nice self-effacing one there. But yeah. yeah, here's what he said, and we always appreciate the retweet. It's the little real talk bump from these, uh, these big deals that come and spend time with us on the show. But yeah, yesterday he tweeted, and isn't it kind of funny that every time you want to find something quick, you realize that this person has tweeted 55,000 times. He's a big tweeter. He is. He's on Twitter a lot. You can follow him <laughs> <laughs> bruce underscore arthur here he is uh 18 hours ago um in pushing out you can always find our highlight clips john works hard on pulling those and captioning them we sure appreciate your efforts johnny behind the scenes thank you uh, we shared the highlight here of him talking about the pga tour becoming the second best golf tour on earth he's not saying it's going to he's not calling it but he's saying it could uh and then he follows up and says i made some dumb mistakes in this chat psg is owned by uh, he says owned by the uae i used dubai incorrectly Haas clarifies, and I looked it up, so it's Catter that he's looking for, but mm-hmm. he says, uh, mm-hmm. otherwise, I was not totally stupid. That <laughs> from Bruce Arthur. But all of this to say, so Haas, shout out. and We appreciate it, and thanks for making uh, you know uh, the show more accurate. We want to make sure that when people hear things, and then they're going to talk to their friends and go, we heard it on Real Talk. We want them to have confidence. We're not infallible, and sometimes things fly under our radar. I admitted to Haas in an email yesterday. I said, I don't know enough about pro soccer to have sniffed that one out. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciated him chiming in. By the way, we had asked everybody, based on that Saudi golf story, if you, like Phil Mickelson, were a pro golfer, and the Saudi-owned Live Golf Invitational Series offered you $200 mil, $200 million to defect from the PGA, would you sign on the dotted line? The 24 hours on our unscientific, unofficial Twitter poll are up. Uh, more than 1,000 votes. We appreciate that. And it turns out the majority of people have voted hell yeah.
1: As we said yesterday,
0: yeah. 61%, which it didn't really move, John. The highest, I didn't check in on it sort of religiously, but the highest I saw was 67. We were at about two-thirds. Yeah. And it, and by the by the time it evened out, 61% say, yeah, they, they'd pretty much do anything for 200. Well, they didn't say that. It'd be,
1: it'd be interesting to see the subsets of like who these people are. I bet a majority of the 61% have family, have kids. I bet the majority of the people who said, no, nah, I got to think about it, are younger folk. Who maybe have, you know, are more passionate about their opinions and uh, you know. Well, yeah. I I just think I just think the people who would take the money and say hell yeah, are probably thinking my kids and their kids are set up for life, kind of thing.
0: I mean anybody you want is set up for life. Mm -hmm. If you have two hundred million and you put it It's not just two hundred million, if you You reinvest that and you're But that's the thing. Like, even if even if you're the laziest Yeah, like even if you just put it in your checking account. Yeah, even if you just buy GICs, unless you're an idiot, you're gonna unless you're an idiot. Like a GIC paying you a percent and a half. I hope I get the math right. Is going to return three million dollars a year.
1: Even even an interest, even a savings account. The interest on a savings account. Yeah,
0: what is it now? I mean, it's it's you Banks screw us. Still though, Uh, they do. But still, what is it? It's probably like a percent or something like that.
1: I don't know if you could put it in a savings account. They'd be like, no.
0: They're like two hundred (laughs) mil. No. No, I'm watching this show. Have you watched We Crashed? Yes, on okay, Apple so about I, about this WeWork thing.
1: I told you about this like two months ago, and you're you? like, "What? I'm too busy. Kids are coming." In. But now you've it's good, eh? It's, it's pretty really good, good. With Jared Leto, Jared
0: Leto yeah. and and uh, and uh, Anne Hathaway. No, not Amazing. Anne Hathaway. It is Anne it is Hathaway. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's about the the WeWork business. Which, by the way. Uh, Carrie pointed out we've been watching this together. We always love when we find a show we can watch together. Great. WeWork is still an operating company, it is. They still have like 700 locations around the world, these co working spaces, and
1: they've just started to get above the red line now and actually make money. It's not a ton, but okay, like it's not a weird idea. There are tons of co working spaces, right? But he his he was just so Jared Leto's character.
0: His pace of growth was bonkers. And
1: he thought WeWork was gonna be like Apple or like Changing you know the I mean? World. Yeah. And it just it's man, you run a co space. You throw like, a ping relax. pong
0: table in there and you know, we <laughs> yeah. got a beer fridge. I don't know. No one's given us four point four billion. But I remember when he walks into the bank and he wants a he wants a line of credit and he's just attracted four point four billion investment into his company, he wants a line of credit.
1: And he asked for a hundred million dollars. He asked and for fifty them, and the
0: yeah. bank gives him a hundred. Uh, yeah. And, and then and they it up high. into to
1: a quarter million in like a couple months.
0: Oh, do they? Okay. So that's
1: like once you have money. The beginning of the end. The money just.
0: So the comments on the Twitter poll are interesting as well. 61% say, hell yeah, they'd go for $200 million. Um CC says, I get it for some of these guys who haven't made a ton, like these golfers, and are ending their competitive careers soon. Uh, CC says, but for guys like DJ, for like Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, Westwood, Mickelson, they've made an absolute ton forever. It's really sad to see them participate and cast I aside any sense of morality.
1: Yeah. Like I was like, OK, Phil Mickelson, he's got gambling debts. Maybe he's just like Bruce said, securing his future. But those other guys, I'm like, you don't need this money. You're still relevant. You could like go do things, you know. So. But
0: are we? Well, I, I don't think it's black and white. I mean, for some people, for some people, it's like I'm not accepting Saudi blood money. Uh, Rory. It doesn't matter. Rory McIlroy. Absolutely. Justin Thomas. I mean, all these guys that are making these comments, taking swipes at Greg Norman. If you missed our episode yesterday, if you even get even if you don't care about golf, it's a fascinating story. Jock says, I'd like to say no, but I worked jobs I was ashamed of for thirty five grand a year. So Jock is Jock is for sale. John says, if anyone thinks you're worth 200 million, then you have no need of money or status in the sport. Best to retain one's dignity and self-respect. Wally says, it would depend on how much I was making before. If I was making like two or five million, then I would do it in a second. He says, I don't know.
3: Mm.
0: I don't know. Rick says, I voted no, considering many of these players have already won massive amounts of money, siding with a country that's just one of the evil empire just seems wrong. Hmm. Uh, Mike says, considering that's nearly twice as much as Tiger has made on the tour his entire career, which is accurate, he says, I would take the money. Uh, Jadalo says, why does the PGA deserve a monopoly? It's not that the PGA deserves a monopoly. Nobody's clutching their pearls worrying about the PGA. No. People are wondering whether, I mean, I actually think competition's healthy. I think it's fascinating. Like, I mean, it it was stomped and it never became anything, but the XFL versus the NFL, I mean, come on, you're not Mm -hmm. taking down the NFL, but still... I mean, the, the KHL and the NHL or the WHA and the NHL back mm-hmm. in the day. I mean, competing leagues can can make things interesting. Of course. I can't think of the last time that one really burst on the scene and took over, mm-hmm. attracted all the stars. But
1: It is funny, though, how Bruce was mentioning, like, you know, America, the States, is the center of pro sports. But I wonder what pro sports is thinking with this. They must be a little scared, uh, just a little scared that there may be I mean, not basketball and football. Those guys are well-paid. But like hockey, for example, some of those guys who are making $450,000 a year, if there was a, like you said yesterday, a Saudi hockey league and they offered them $5 million, I think they'd move their family there. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. And like uh, that comment just said, if I was making 2 or $5 million, then I'd definitely take the money. You would? If I was, if I had access five million to, 5 to 200 million, million, if I had five million dollars right now, I would not take the money because I'd find a way to make more money with that five million. Right. And I then I'd be calling
0: who, you with my 200 million and I'd be like, John, we're taking the Jets to Bahamas this weekend. You'd be yeah. like Jets. You're like, I can't have a jet. Yeah. I only have five million. And I'd be like, oh, see, because I got 200. So
1: like, I think that 200 million is is <laughs> is is something people in debt, you know, what I mean? like Phil he's he's probably like bankruptcy right or whatever what? so no could, i don't think that's on.
0: accurate is that ac- i don't think that's accurate he's gonna google <laughs> <laughs> is phil mickelson bankrupt you know what the internet's gonna say not to me bankrupt not I'm anymore sure, i'm sure he has debt I'm, sure, I'm
1: sure the money he has is negative compared to like his homes his cars his credit card debt his is whatever right yeah that's not credit card debt
0: <laughs> credit card debt is for real line life of credit. real people line like of credit. us line of credit you think phil mickelson is checking his credit can you imagine like phil mickelson is i don't think oh, he's he never used to checks his, it Meh. it's like sorry sir your card's been declined on lunch at applebee's he's like what remember no, we talked that's just yesterday a real, about, that's a real life problem for people like us
1: we talked yesterday about not looking at the
0: not checking balances
1: uh, phil mickelson never checks a balance no <laughs> never.
0: i don't think so as a
1: person he has does that i right? don't think so yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, if talk of money, economics, bookkeeping, accounting floats your boat, if you'd like to assist people through bankruptcy or maybe counsel people so they don't wind up there in the first place, if you feel a calling to a certain kind of career and you have that focus, you know ultimately what you'd like to do, but you're not necessarily 100% sure of how to get there, check out Canada's online university, Athabasca University, today. You're going, yeah, it might be too late for me to go to university. No, it's not. Yeah, but I don't want to leave my city or I, I don't want to leave my job for that matter. I. You don't have to. Athabasca University offers world class accredited online programs and courses. Accredited is a big deal. You know, your your certification, ultimately your degree from this university carries a lot of clout across the country, in part because of Athabasca's great reputation as a research center. Uh, They offer you the flexibility to learn at your own pace. So whether you have a family, a job, maybe a big trip coming up, maybe there's concerns. You you don't want to pour yourself 100% into studies, but you want to start preparing yourself for a new and dynamic job opportunity. Visit athabascau.ca today. When it comes to Dairy Queen, I want to give you dealer's choice today, John. What do you think we should focus on when it comes to our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park? All right, it's the Signature Stack Burgers. They just sent us a whole bunch of new added elements, and so I just feel like you look like a kid in it. I was going to say a kid the, You look like a kid in the Dairy Queen when you're picking out what we're going to talk about every day. Today, it's the Loaded Steakhouse Burger I'm going to recommend. Those are those two 100% all-beef patties with the bacon, and, of course, don't forget the famous... Dairy Queen Onion Ring. That's all part of the Loaded Steakhouse Stacker. It's the new lineup of Signature Stack Burgers at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Mayo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road.
1: Phil Mickelson makes $50 million a year.
0: $50? Yeah.
1: He, uh, his net worth was $100 million up until he took this gig. Right. Now it's about $300 million. Uh, but it <sighs> says he's got gambling debts in excess, or losses, over the last few years Of over forty million. Okay. So that combined with whatever else, you know, lines of credit, houses. I don't know.
0: You know, Phil Mickelson is a guy you'd love to have a beer with and say, "Tell me your craziest story."
1: (laughs) I was in Vegas. Right. Like if you.
0: First of all, it's weird when people can see your struggles. Like when someone can. Like can can you imagine if like if if the average person had a gambling issue. That was readily available, searchable mm-hmm. online. Like, yeah. you know, like Larry Smith has has lost a total of 11,600 in gambling this last year. And people are like, what? <laughs> His pals are like, bud, you should uh, ease off the gas a little bit. Right. It's I always think it's kind of weird when you have access. And how reliable is that information? I don't know.
1: Well, I think it comes out usually when you haven't paid the debts. Right. Like if you pay the debts, I don't think the information really gets out there. You know, like with the Evander Kane thing. <laughs> Nobody knew he had a gambling problem till he walked out of a casino and they had fronted him like, you know, over one hundred thousand dollars in chips or whatever. Right. I so, think people
0: maybe knew uh, at the very first point that Evander Kane had something going on with his finances when he Instagrammed a post to Floyd with the money, money Mayweather phone. with the <laughs> with this brick of cash, treating it like a phone being like, yo, pick up or whatever he said. Yeah. And I think people went, that's not a good sign. That's not a good thing. Um, You can let us know what you think about what we're talking about. We always want to know where where our content is landing with you. You know, we always want to know if you feel like there's real talk on the issues that matter to you. And our editorial process relies in great part by choice. Uh, with where this audience lands. Uh, what's on your radar? What matters to you? What story is resonating with you? What do you want to hear more about? What are you not hearing about that you'd love to see us take on the show? You can be in touch with us anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Every Wednesday, we really look forward to this. Every Wednesday, our friends at Tourism Jasper provide us some highlights, some some reminders of why we need to get out to Jasper National Park. It's my Jasper memories presented by Tourism Jasper. And this year, uh, we're getting set to celebrate a centennial of sorts. How cool is this? Can you believe a 100 years ago, the opening of of the jasper park lodges legendary main buildings and cabins i want to show you this quick video check this out now this is symphony under the stars i want to be clear about this because there's a new event coming up symphony under the sun but this is a great way to illustrate exactly the vibe that we're talking about getting outdoors on the shores of legendary lac beauvaire you've got the edmonton symphony orchestra there performing That's right. They pack up their instruments and they take it outside to the shores of beautiful Lac Beauvair at the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge in celebration of the centennial. Now this is happening on June 28th. This is less than two weeks away. So if you want to be there in celebration of this luxurious mainstay of Jasper, you're going to want to book your tickets like today at jasper.travel slash real talk. Now, the sound here in an event like this, John, you're a sound expert. When you get a a symphony orchestra performing right near water with those rocky mountains in the backdrop, that kind of natural amphitheater, the sound is going to be phenomenal.
1: You're going to be hearing it miles away.
0: Now, this is unlike its sister event. We were talking about the Jasper Dark Sky Festival. So so this is the symphony under the sun, of course, which offers the shining summer sun as the backdrop. It's an evening event. But the light dynamic there is going to be phenomenal. And when the sun does start to set, prepare to have your mind blown. Tickets to the concert, the dinner and a show option, which is what you're going to want to go with. Available starting from $159 per person. And then there are a limited number of VIP rooms packages that are also available. You can contact the hotel directly, but we can point you in the right direction again at jasper.travel slash realtalk. And please do enjoy Symphony. Under the sun, you're gonna want to stay on the property after something like that. I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, you're gonna want to book a room. You're gonna, gonna want to book a room. Yeah. A
0: nice walk along, like you, you take in the Edmonton, the ESO, the Symphony Orchestra. You walk along the shore of Lac Beauvert. I will say, mind the elk. Mind the elk. Uh, you make your way back to, I don't know. I I I, I recommend like a lakefront suite or something like that. Mm-hmm. You want to blow your loved ones' mind. You want to surprise the family. You walk right in, maybe start a fire in the fireplace there in your room. Whoo, baby. Nothing like it.
1: I want to go on vacation with you. We should go. Are on you the... the guy that builds the fire and puts the strawberries covered in chocolate by the tub with the candles and gets everything ready? Could you do that for me?
0: As you wish. <laughs> We do have plans to take Real Talk back on the road with Real Talkers, and uh, we're looking forward to that. But I never want to say too much until the plans are in place, right? Sure. Nobody likes that. So we'll just drop these little hints. Uh, right now, the number one thing that we're reminding people about is the Real Talk Golf Classic, Course. which is coming up next Thursday. It's coming up in a week tomorrow, eight days away. Uh, the program's been sent to the printer. The signs are done. Everything's booked, ready to go. All we're missing is... Is your registration. So go to Ryan Click on the connect link and then the Real Talk Golf. L- no, the events link on mm-hmm. Real Talk Golf Classic is where you can find it. And, and Johnny's telling us he's got the best compilation of tunes he's ever put together as Edmonton's best DJ for this golf tournament. <laughs> what
1: are you kicking off with? How, how important I just is go the f- off the dome. How, how important- when I DJ, I just go. And then I'm like, oh, that song next. I just feel it. I don't have playlists or anything like that. I just go. All right. And I watch the crowds. All right. It's going to be an incredible day.
0: Yeah, it's going to be amazing. That's next Thursday, RyanJesperson.com slash events to register your foursome, all in support of the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship. Coming up tomorrow on the show, I'm really looking forward to this. I've been corresponding with Chris Cromwell for a while. She's the founder, she's the host, the producer of the BIPOC Outside Podcast. It all started as a... A project with a really specific aim and a really specific context and then she's just broadened it out and I can't wait to pick her brain on it plus coming up later this week two TV stars with a brand new employee owned show we're going to meet them too
2: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, executive producer Josh Dunford Technical Producer John Hicks. General Manager Katie Cook Shivers. Account Coordinator Lawrence Derlego. Human Resources Lena Shepherd. Website Design Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita Julie Rohr. Real Talk is reported in Edmonton, Alberta, on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Metis settlements and the Metis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group, Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out RyanJesperson.com.